If you have your Bibles, uh, after a few weeks of break, we're going to be back in the book of Exodus, and we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 28 through 30. And uh, fear not, I'm not going to read all of that uh, this morning. It would be a little bit too tedious in a uh, Sunday morning worship service. Um, This is the part of the Bible where often um, all the best intentions of reading through the Scripture begins to kind of encounter difficulty, okay? One of the wheels may have already fallen off when you got into the tabernacle, and then this week we're going to be talking about the priests, and then another wheel falls off. Then you get out of it, into the end of Exodus, they repeat all of that, and then you get into Leviticus, and then oftentimes you're just left on the side of the road wondering what in the world's going on. But... There's some awesome stuff in here. And that's why I recommend Bible reading programs that take a little bit of the Old Testament and a little of the New Testament. Uh, I've got a reading plan if anybody's interested in that, and it gives you a variety of texts to look at as you go through the Word in your own time with the Lord. But again, um, just as review, since we've been out of this for a little while, chapters 25, kind of all the instructions for building the tabernacle, this place where God would basically take up residency on earth in that holy of holies, that place where the high priest went into once a year of the people. So that was the section that we looked at last in Exodus. And now in this section, we're going to be dealing with the priesthood, all these regulations and rules in terms of how the priest is to be dressed, how they become. God gives some instructions in Leviticus 10 that nobody is going to drink anything when they come. No priest should be drinking anything when they come into my presence. So I'm thinking that Nadab and Abihu tied one on and they decided, hey, we're just going to freestyle worship here a little bit. You know, we got the incense here. We'll just do it in our way. And God says, no, you do not approach me in that way. You are representing me to the people. And you need to do that in the way that I say. And so I think as believers in the New Testament, yes, we are saved by grace through faith. God accepts us completely solely by the work of Jesus Christ. But then God gives us this calling to represent him to the world and we're to be transformed and changed and to represent a different picture of humanity to this world because God, by his grace, has transformed our lives. We are what? The body of Christ. And God, through us, as our priestly role is put on our shoulders, we represent God to the world and hopefully represent people that don't yet know God to God. And we can come alongside our brothers and sisters because, you know what, we all need priests sometimes, right? Those that can come alongside us and can hear our confession, can hear our struggle, and we can say, hey, I want to point you to God. I want to help you remember who this God is that you serve, and that you love. And so the priests were called to be unique in their garments, and the high priest, I think, uniquely to represent God before the people. But again, the other aspect of the priesthood is not just representing God to the people, but representing the people to God. And there's two really interesting aspects of the clothing. There's on the top of the shoulders here, you can't really see them, but there are to be two onyx stones up there. And on each of them, close to his heart, and with the strength of his shoulders, Jesus represents us before the Father. That we, through Jesus, go into the presence of God. The high priest would go before the Lord, 
in the Holy of Holies once a year. But what he did was he bore the names of all the people of Israel into the presence of God to provide atonement and forgiveness for those people. It's interesting, we talked about this when we were talking about the Ten Commandments, to not take the name of the Lord in vain. It's the same word there. Don't bear the name of the Lord in an empty way. And we talked about that being more than just saying, oh my God. It means that I am taking the name, the character of who God is, and I'm bearing that in a way that is empty and not at all what God has designed for me to be. I'm representing him poorly to the world. And that's the same idea here. The high priest comes into the presence of God representing his people to provide forgiveness and mercy before a holy God. Because that's a huge problem, isn't it? That we're not holy and God is. And we need someone to represent us before a holy and righteous God. God said, don't let anybody come up the mountain that I'm not inviting. Why? Because they're going to be destroyed by the holiness of my presence. We don't just walk into the presence of God. We need mediation. We need someone to act as a go-between, someone to represent us before God. And so in the Old Testament, it was the high priest that did that. With all the names symbolically of the people of Israel brought into the presence of God, of God, And I was thinking about this, and it reminded me of a New Testament passage. It talks about, you know, we're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. And I'm often like, well, I'm not seated with Christ in the heavenlies. You know, I'm, I'm right here. But to me, if you understand the role of Jesus as our high priest, that I think, in essence, he has our names over his heart and on his shoulders. And he brings us into the presence of the very God of this universe because we're told that all of these tabernacles and all this is a picture of what is going on in the heavenly realm. So Christ is bringing us in memory before the God of this universe, that we are seated with Christ. He is representing us in the heavenly realm realm. And as we walk through life, to me, in the Old Testament, you look at this fact that, okay, God is picking these high priests and these priests, and they're not holy yet, yet they're called to represent God's people before a holy God. And that takes us to chapter 29, which is all about kind of the consecration of the, whole, of the high priests. And again, I'll let you read through that, but basically there are several steps that took place in this chapter. First, the priest and the high priest are completely washed, top to bottom. They're washed. Then they're clothed with their garments. Then they are anointed, especially Aaron, the high priest, is anointed with oil, a picture of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, kings and high priests were anointed with oil, representing God's presence with them. And then a whole bunch of sacrifices took place. The first was a sin offering, dealing with the guilt of these men's sin. They would lay their hands on the bull and symbolically transfer their sins on to this bull. And then that bull would be killed, recognizing that, you know what, we're not holy. We can't, even as high priests and priests, can't just waltz into the presence of God. And then after that, there was a burnt offering. And burnt offering, the complete animal was given to God, and it is a picture of this wholehearted dedication to God. Everything that I have is, is yours, God. 
And then this thing called the wave offering, which was a type of fellowship, also known as peace offering. And, you know, I used to think wave offering is like kind of what I think it's like offering it to God and taking it back. And part of the wave offering would be consumed on the altar, would be burnt on the altar. altar. That's God's part. But then part of it would be eaten as a fellowship meal. And the picture of this is once the sins are dealt with, you are able to fellowship with God. And so these offerings took place, and this process took seven days. This consecration process took seven days, and they went through it. And at the end of that, it's what we read in the beginning, once the altar was consecrated, once the priests were consecrated, all these were made holy in the eyes of God. And he says, I'm going to be with my people, and I'm going to dwell there. And then started the daily sacrifice, one in the morning a sacrifice, and one in the evening for the people of God. So after the priests were made holy, then they were able to participate in these offerings where they would represent the people before God through the daily offerings of the temple and the temple grounds, or the tabernacle at this point in time. And again, all this was to get to the point where God could dwell among them and that they would know who this God is. Again, you look at this, and this is stuff that's, most of it's really foreign to us and sounds kind of strange, these strange clothing and all that kind of stuff. But to me, there's some really beautiful pictures in here. And one is that God, despite his awesome holiness, he'll go to great lengths to be with his people and design a way for us as unholy broken, fallen, rebellious people to experience his forgiveness and his presence. God outlines this whole tabernacle and priesthood system so that he could be with his people and that his people could experience his presence and have their sins covered up. The tabernacle, this in essence, it's a portable Sinai where God's presence now dwells in this tabernacle. And we're going to get to the, the incense part of it in chapter 30 that deals with this incense. And in Leviticus 16, it talks about the smoke coming up from this incense. In essence, enables God to be with the high priest when he's in that holy of holies. It kind of acts as a little bit of a, a filter. It's the same thing that happened on Sinai, right? Moses went up into the clouds, and here we have this cloud of incense that is there. So again, picturing back, God's presence is with his people in the cloud. God often shows up in the cloud. It was the pillar of, cloud, of fire and the cloud by the day that led his people through the wilderness. It's Jesus, our great high priest, that what? Ascends, what? Through the clouds into the heavens to represent us. So God is saying to his people, I want to be with you. I'm a holy and righteous God, but I want to be with you. And to me, that's, an amazing, amazing thing that God would want to be with someone like me. And also, to me, in this picture, it just fills out my understanding of what Jesus Christ's role is for me right now. He's my high priest. He is representing me before God. He is looking down on me and saying, man, Helvey, come on, bud. But then goes to the Father and said, you know what? My blood covers that. And I want him to know you. And I'm going to be at work in his heart to give him strength. And I love him. He's precious 
to me that the names of the tribes were engraved on precious stones. To me, it indicates the value that God places on us as his people. And so often we feel like, man, I don't measure up, I don't make it, I don't get there. And God says, you know what, I delight in you. You're precious in my sight. I love you. And we say, I'm not that lovable. And he says, I love you anyhow. And I'm going to make you into something that you're not right now through my intercession for you. The book of Hebrews lets us know that Jesus is not only our high priest, but he is the sacrifice. And the book of John tells us he is the temple as well, the tabernacle. So in Jesus, he's representing, all these things represent him because there's no picture that's big enough to represent how awesome and glorious Jesus is. But in this section, we're dealing with his role, I think, as high priest and his sacrifice that he offered allowed him to go into the Holy of Holies to meet with the Father and have that sacrifice accepted so that your and my sins are dealt with. The book of Hebrews tells us basically that this whole system is obsolete since Jesus came. It's passing away. And that Jesus is the high priest of a new covenant, a much better covenant. And they say he's a priest in the order of Melchizedek, right? And I'm not going to get into all that, but if you remember back in Genesis, Abraham, Lot gets in trouble and they're in a battle, and so Abraham goes after him and he wins a victory. And then after that, they come back and Melchizedek comes out from Salem or Jerusalem. He is the king of Salem and he blesses Abraham and then Abraham pays him a tithe. That's the first priest we encounter in the Old Testament. And I think God's design for the priesthood is this priest king from the very start. And then we see that ultimately represented in Jesus as our priest king. And I think even with Moses, God wanted him to go to the people and to speak to the people and to speak to Pharaoh. And Moses given all these excuses and God says, oh, okay, okay, I'll send Aaron with you. But I think that was a concession because I think God's design always is for this priest king. And that's where we ultimately get with Jesus. And we get kind of pictures of this even in David, where David did a lot of priestly things. He put an ephod on. He went and brought the ark back to Jerusalem, and he's doing some stuff there that only priests should do. So to me, you see some of this picture of God bringing kind of rule and kingship back into priesthood as well. And so Jesus is our priest king of the order of Melchizedek. And the book of Hebrews says that's an order that is never dying. The problem with human priests is, A, they have to offer sacrifices for themselves all the time, and they have to keep going back over and over and over. And the book of Hebrews says Jesus sacrifices once and for all. It was perfect. In Hebrews 10, 14, it's one of my favorite verses. It says he's made perfect forever. Jesus is made perfect forever by his sacrifice, those who are being made holy. So both things are there. I am perfect forever because of what Jesus Christ has done on my behalf. But you know what? God doesn't stop there. He is in process of making us holy, of setting us apart for the Lord's service. And that takes some time. Here there were seven days, this number of completeness to, to consecrate the priests. And I think that's just a picture of it takes time to become holy and it takes time for us 
to be holy. But God is calling us to that, to represent him to the world. And he wants us to reveal who he is to the world that we're involved with. Through our words and through how we live our lives. And to me, the fact that Jesus Christ is continually representing me before the Father is hugely comforting as well. You ever have one of those days where it just starts bad and then it gets worse? And you want to have a good attitude and and you don't want to get mad and you promise, I'm not going to do that again. And five minutes later, you're doing it again. And you're just like, I wouldn't want to have anything to do with me if I were you, God. And even the song we sang this morning, you know, that Jesus is our high priest and to look up and to see him interceding for us on our behalf, representing us before God and saying, my sacrifice covers that guy. And I love that guy, despite who he is. And you know what? I'm going to continue to intercede for him until he comes to that point of being like Jesus Christ. And it's a process. It doesn't happen instantaneously, but that's where God wants us to go. To that place where I am representing him well before the people of this world and I'm like the heart of Jesus calling out and crying out for God's mercy to be placed on the lives of those that don't yet know Jesus to recognize man there's nothing in me that has brought me into this role of priest it's because of his grace in choosing me that I'm here in the Old Testament it came nobody chose to be a priest they through genetics and their line, were chosen to be a priest by someone else. And the New Testament is really clear that apart from the grace of God, I'm not going to choose God, but God chose me. And then he chose me to come into his family, and he forgave me, and he adopted me, and then he gave me this role as priest. And I'm a royal priest. I'm a kingly priest. Again, As we look at this, it's like overwhelming, I think, when we understand how much God has entrusted to us as broken, fallen people. But then when we feel that that is way too overwhelming to look up and remember, you know what, I've got a high priest that's interceding for me. And I'm on his shoulders. That's position of strength, right? Isaiah 9, the government shall be on his shoulders, right? The authority and the power is there. But I'm also over his heart. That I'm precious to him and that he loves me. And he's never going to leave me and he's never going to forsake me. The book of Hebrews says the problem with the Old Testament law is it didn't make anything perfect. Literally didn't bring anything to that ultimate goal that God has for that person. The Old Testament law, it covered over sins. But with the new covenant and Jesus' sacrifice, the book of Hebrews says, his sacrifice cleanses us from sin. Every guilty sin is done away in our conscience. We no longer have to hold on to that. And that recognition that that is something that lasts forever. He's never going to leave us, and he's never going to forsake us. So do you feel like a priest this morning, if you know Jesus Christ? I hope you do. 
And if you feel overwhelmed and that you don't measure up, welcome to God's family. <laughs> I don't think any of the Old Testament priests felt like they measured up. And this whole process of, yes, I've called you as a priest, but then the seven days of consecration and all of the sacrifices that were done said, okay, I have made you holy. The high priest wore that on the plate of his kind of turban, that pure gold plate, holy to the Lord. God had made him holy to himself through all of those sacrifices that were performed. But Jesus Christ's sacrifice is perfect. And the beauty of the New Testament is that not only are sins taken care of, that now by the Spirit of God, God takes up residence in us to begin to transform us, to begin to change us from the inside out. The problem with the law wasn't necessarily the law. The problem with the law was that the people didn't have the ability to keep it right, and they kept falling and stumbling, and you read through the Old Testament, and you're like, what are these knuckleheads doing? And then you look at your own life, and you say, what am I as a knucklehead doing all the time? And you realize, okay, this is not something that I can change on my own. And the beauty of the new covenant is God not only forgives us, but then he dwells within us by his spirit. Yes. All of us as believers. And he gives us the ability to live changed lives. God wants to be with us so much that he sent his son to be the sacrifice. And the son was raised from the dead, the event we celebrated on our Easter. He appeared to his disciples and to 500 others, and then he ascended into the presence of God through the cloud. And now the book of Hebrews says, he ever lives, I think is the King James, to intercede for us. He's your eternal intercessor. And he doesn't sleep. Always. And there's times in my life where I need a lot of intercession. And I'm so grateful that I have a God that is for me, that is on my side, that has not left me to carry on on my own. I want to close with a couple passages from the book of Hebrews. You don't have to turn there, just listen as I read. The first is in Hebrews chapter 4. It's verses 12 through 14. No, 14 through 16, excuse me. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And in chapter 7, or chapter 10, excuse me, verses 19 through 25. It therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, 
with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may stir one another up to love and good deeds. So the book of Hebrews says we have this high priest that in every way is able to sympathize, even empathize with our plight as human beings. He walked on this planet, and because of that, he represents us gently before God the Father and deals with us gently as we walk through this world. And if we go to him, we can always find mercy. That's, we're not going to get smacked side of the head because we did something wrong. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And many of us, all of us, deserve that smack. But we also can receive grace. That's God's undeserved favor. We are now, the New Testament says, not only forgiven, but we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. God looks at us, I think, how he looked at the high priest, that he is clothed in with this righteous garment that's not his own. It's a foreign garment to him, but it is given to him. And we have that as well. You know, God's really, really good. And he's really, really for us. And he will stay for us forever. And he will continue to push for us and to intercede for us because he loves us. And he has the strength and he has the love to represent us before a father forever and ever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this short passage of scripture that deals with stuff that's kind of really ancient, but Lord, thank you that we can see in it a picture of who you are and what you are doing on our behalf. Lord, we just pray that you would amaze us once again just with how good you are, how much on our side you are, that you are for us, and that regardless of what we came into this place with this morning, we are always able to come before your presence to acknowledge our sin and we will find mercy and we will receive grace. So Lord, we come. We come as broken and fallen and in need of your holiness. Thank you that you forgive us. Thank you that you clothe us with the righteousness of Christ. Lord, you have made us perfect forever, but Lord, help us in this struggle to be holy. It doesn't mean stuck up or disconnected. It means whole and complete, acting like Jesus would act in this world, with great love and care and compassion and truth. So, Lord, help us in that process. We can't do this on our own. But thank you that you've given us your spirit. Thank you that you reside in all of us who know you. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you that you have brought us before the Father. We thank you that there is always room for us and that you will never forget us. We thank you for your love. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand, if you would, for a closing benediction. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, don't even know how to know Jesus, basically, I would love to talk to you about that. Please come up afterwards and uh, 
read a benediction from the book of 2 Thessalonians. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. And God's people said, God bless you as you walk as his priest this week.